What's going on, everyone? Um, just wanted to give a little preempt to this episode. Um, apparently, in my like cold that I was dealing with, uh, miscounted the episode numbers. This episode is actually number 87. You'll hear me reference it multiple times as 86. Uh, Chris makes some jokes about it being 86 episodes in and stuff like that. So I was just, you know, this, uh, this cold's getting the best of me in my mind and just got confused with stuff. So this is actually episode 87, not 86. No matter how many times I say 86, it's episode 87. Hope you enjoy it. Um, cool. Well, I will start us off muted and then bring in, bring in the music and then we'll go. Yeah, bring in the noise, bring in the funk. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 86. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe, and you can always reach out to me on all of the socials at flores.run. Uh, today, we have an amazing episode. I say that each time, like I'm just going to be one of these times, be like, today's episode is shit. <laughs> today's episode's brought to you by garbage. Uh, but it really is going to be a great episode. You may recognize uh, today's guest. He's just an overall really cool dude. Uh, you remember him from over the summer. We talked about negativity, uh, and we're here to kind of continue that conversation. We, we've been talking about we need to continue it because we could have talked about 15 things that day, and we needed to cut it short so people didn't have to, you know, not a Joe Rogan-type podcast. But uh, Chris, thanks for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for saying that this is going to be an amazing episode. Uh, I didn't want to have to say anything, but the other 83 episodes I've listened to have been complete trash. Uh, I counted myself like outside of that because yeah, yeah, yeah. that is purely where the gold comes from. Obviously. And I was talking to Joe Rogan the other day and he was <laughs> like, why isn't Flores' show a little bit longer? And why doesn't it focus a little bit more on science and everything, you know, just. Right. We're brought to you by snake oils. Um, I, should, I should have figured out some brands of that so we could actually just talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, thanks, thanks for joining no. me again and, and continuing this conversation. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for having the space for it. And I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk to you um, about everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, just I think, think it, I think our idea is that we kind of talk. I mean, if you guys have listened to the show before, you know we don't have uh, very detailed out notes for this show. It's literally I write like two or three bullet points and then we say let's go. So um, maybe I'll share some of my notes one day. It's just so you guys can be like, oh no, he's not full of shit. Like this is literally what he does. But uh, <laughs> before we hop into everything, maybe just give yourself a little plug for those that may have not listened to the previous episode and then just how people can connect with you. Yeah, totally. So. My name is Chris, for those of you who weren't able to catch last episode. And really what I work with right now is I, I, I'm a men's coach. I, I work with, uh, I help a lot of men navigate through a lot of the band-aids, a lot of the, the shame, a lot of the, the muck of things. And that comes through in different ways. A lot of men, it's weight loss. Other men, it's mindset. 
But the reality of it is whatever you're working through, it's helping you navigate that through the shame, through the pain, and allowing you to come out on the other side and understand that um, your own humanity is the most important part of whatever you're working toward. Mm. And that seems to be avoided quite often. So if folks want to see what I'm up to or want to work with me, uh, you could find me on Instagram at coach.chrismcmahon. Uh, you could also hop on my email list. I send out a ton of information that I don't really post on social media because I know um, everyone loves getting stuff in their inbox too. Uh, so, so you can just you can just click the link in my bio. You get a whole. Right now, I have a stress eating and holiday ebook that I wrote. So that's there for you with a ton of fun information in there that can be applied to your life because it doesn't matter who you are. Um, holidays bring those things mm. about. So there's some really helpful tools in there that can help you navigate that. So that's where I am right now. That's, that's, that's everything that we're working on right now. And uh, come January, there'll be some other fun stuff that come up, cool. comes up too. Yeah, and we'll have all your stuff in the show notes so you guys don't have to yeah. write this down and deal with all that fun jazz. Because uh, you, you shouldn't be doing that. I just got a, you know, this is like completely off topic. Has nothing to do with have you seen that? Like, if you haven't seen it, you've just not been on social media. But like the Spotify wrap-ups, that everyone's oh, been yeah. doing of like their their top songs and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't realize there was a podcast one. So like if you have a podcast, it'll tell you like who's been listening to your show, who's been doing this kind of thing. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I don't even know where I was going with this now that I literally just brought it up. What did you, you just said, I'm losing my mind. No, no, no. It's a fever dream. Um, yes, yeah. No, it might have been. It might have been um, dealing with shame, dealing with men, maybe dealing with men, maybe who's actually watching or listening to your stuff more often than not. Ah, there it is—the listening piece of it. <clears throat> so when people are listening to the show, it's actually I'm people listen to my show more in the late evenings, which surprised mm -hmm. me. I don't know why that's a very soothing voice. Is that what it's a it very is? soothing voice? Yeah. When I think soothing, I think of your voice and I think of silk pillows. Those two <laughs> things go together. That's just what I think. When I think Flores, I think I think fair. soothing voice um, known to calm and tame wild horses by just listening to uh, your podcast. That's true. It's or and it could just be the thing is if it puts people to sleep. That if you want to go that route, you can. <laughs> I'm not going to accept that negativity. I'm going to go with it's just people. People at the end of the day, they just want to get down to it and want some want some constructive thing to do to improve the problem spot that they're in, and you provide that. It. So love probably it. on their car ride home, they're listening to you. Love it. I love the positivity from it. And I think this is why this conversation between us from our last one, you know, talking about negativity and how we. You can put a negative rap on negative negativity, right? We can make it seem like it's this horrible, horrible thing, but sometimes having this little pushback can kind of help us grow. And I think kind of taking that to the next step is kind of where I had this concept today of kind of setting yourself free, right? Like a lot of times we hold ourselves bondage, we hold ourselves back because we don't feel that we're worthy or able to the, obviously I don't think people are, are listening to my podcast to go to sleep, but there are those kinds of thoughts that can come in your head sometimes when you kind of limit yourself and hold yourself back and, and kind of don't allow yourself to kind of be your authentic you. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you where that comes from. It just comes from. It's easier. Mm. It's just something you've told yourself enough times. It's easier. It's easier to be comfortable with being unsatisfied than to have to actually dive in and be discomforted to find your satisfaction. That's what it is. And that's the thing that we usually, I know I said band-aids, like helping, helping men shift through band but that's what most of the things, and I use Band-Aids, I might use it a few times, but I use it interchangeably for coping mechanisms. It's whatever, it's whatever you want to call it, but that's what it is. Whether self-deprecation, whether it's deflecting, whether it's humor, whether it's anger, whether it's whatever other emotion that wants to pop up, at the end of the day, those things are used to actually bury the emotion that we're trying or is bubbling up. Mm. We're our own limiting factor in the ability to move forward in our story. We're the only people with the pen. It's easy to blame other people, say it's someone else, say it's the, say it's the situation, say it's the world. Yeah, I'll give you that. You can have that. Everyone has their own trauma. I have enough trauma to fill up like 12 books. It's just, but they don't, that, whatever you want to name it, doesn't run your life, doesn't dictate the actions that you take. The person you're trying to become is what dictates that. And that's, that's the type of stuff you have to actually look at and acknowledge. And that's the type of stuff that can cripple you if you allow it to. Or you can flip it and look at it and be like, it's exactly what I need right now. Yeah, I think we totally can, what I need right now. I think we can get into that a lot as men just from a societal norm right of like mm-hmm. you need to you need to have this facade <clears throat> that this is this is the image that i portray this is the way i have to act this is the things i have to do um i can't be in certain professions because they're not manly professions or whatever the case may be yeah. you go from that kind of stereotype but then also the how we can react how we can bring things up especially in a climate like we're in today where there's so many triggering words and triggering ways to do things. Like sometimes we can kind of hold ourselves back going, Ugh, I don't know if I should talk about that subject because <clears throat> it may not be the most appropriate thing in, in that specific way. But it's it, to your point, it's how we approach that, right? It's how we take that, that look, uh, take that step back and look at it and going, okay, I'm, I'm writing this story. I know I'm going to fail along the way because that's just inherent. That's how life is. But we learn from our failures, the successes just kind of tell us like, Hey, okay, you did a good, you did a good job on this because you succeeded, but it doesn't necessarily mean you really learned a lot. Just whatever Mm. that, whatever that thing was, you succeeded in, but really in our failures is where we can kind of take that step back, take an inventory of ourselves, but kind of to that, that other point of, of this idea of holding yourself bondage, we have that you know, getting comfortable with discomfort that we talk about of like, it's hard for us to kind of take that step out because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to succeed and we don't know how that feels. I can speak from experience, like growing up, you feel sometimes it's like, no, that's wrong or you're dumb or you failed this or you did whatever. And it kind of gets wrapped into our heads. And like you said, it becomes a coping mechanisms of like, if you're told you're wrong enough times or you're worthless, then you're going to start feeling that yourself. And then we can place the blame of, well, my father didn't love me or whatever the case might be. And dad, if you're listening to this, I know that's not the case, but it's, it's when we go into these things of using these excuses to say, 
to, to justify my actions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Well, I do this because of that. When you said only you, um, you have the pen when you're writing the story, it's so true. But I think a lot of people think that like I might, instead of thinking as I have the pen and then I have footnotes that kind of, that can contribute to that pen, they're basically saying, no, I have a ghostwriter. And I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm kind of telling the story, but it's going through someone else's eyes. And that shouldn't be the case. No, 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 it shouldn't be the case, but it is the case because you're human. Mm. You're not a robot. It's one of my favorite things to tell clients. It's one of my favorite things to put in pretty much anything I ever write, an email I send out, a conversation I have. It's like, no, you're not a robot. Like you're just not. And if you were, the world would be a very boring place unless it's I robot, but there's only Will Smith and I'm not playing Will Smith anytime soon. And neither are you Flores. No one is. And the reality of it is, is as we try to navigate this, one of the things we can be empowered by is by saying in the past, that is the past. I cannot wrestle with the past. I cannot change the past. I can be enveloped by the past and let it be a part of my journey. And understand that the actions I took are different than the actions that I'm taking right now. Because the person that I was is still me. Like, that's who I am right now. And I was coping, or I decided to cope to the best of my abilities with the tools I had available to me at the time. And isn't because that- what it becomes. Good, good. Yeah. It becomes lumped in this idea that I have to be perfect. Like for men, it's very much, I have to be perfect. I have to put on another piece of armor so I can be stronger. But the reality of it is that armor is super confining and restricts any sort of flexibility. And that flexibility is directly applied to your form of thinking. If I shed the armor, they're going to think less of me. If I shed Mm. the armor, then they're going to think I'm not masculine enough. If I shed the armor, then I'm X or Y. However, they're choosing to define what being man or masculine is. It boils down to being humane with yourself. That's how I choose to define masculinity is humane. It's having humility. It's having understanding that you're not the first person to think this thought or have this idea. It's being able to meditate with the emotions that arise and sit with them and be with them and look at them in a way where it's like, yeah, this is happening, but it doesn't mean I'm horrible for having this happen. It's it's noticing and navigating those specific experiences every single day, right? It, it's, it's exploring all of the feelings that are arising. And I, I completely skipped one. It's acceptance. It's accepting the journey. It's, it's, it's literally accepting and developing self-compassion for yourself. Mm-hmm. To be masculine is to be humane. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it is with yourself and with others. And we often forget that. Yeah, I think there's so many good points there. And 
you're when you were talking about not able to change the past, but to obviously use it to to make better decisions possibly in the future, at least to recognize maybe, to recognize what had happened based off I took these actions, this was the result, maybe something else would help me get a different result if that's what I was going for. But that's the whole meaning of growth, right? We need to, mm-hmm. we need to understand where we came from to see where we've grown to today. But then you talked about this restrictive mentality. It's like what ends up happening is, is when we <clears throat> don't believe or we don't accept ourselves for who we really are and and not instead of doing this facade of how the people want me to be when we restrict ourselves in that we're restricting our growth as well we're losing out on all this potential of things that we could do for whatever reason if i don't feel like i'm I'm good enough, or maybe it didn't work out in the past, or someone told me that I'm not going to amount to anything, or who are you to say? We talked about this last episode. It's like, who am I to say that I'm an athlete on my Instagram page? Who am I to do these things, to speak this negative talk of this imposter syndrome kind of thing? We end up restricting our own growth because we feel, again, it's more comfortable. It's a lot easier just to sit in this plateau thing. And, you know, you can see that this is, this is, absolutely no data at all. This is just me off the top of my head, just from what I've seen. But in the last decade or so, you see a lot of women taking charge in their career opportunities, reaching out for higher goals, stepping across the line and things that they may have not had an opportunity to do in the past, where you see a lot of times men don't do that because they sit comfortable. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to do this job because I don't want to fail in this aspect. But I think we've seen this kind of shift, if you will, just in this, I need to reach out and, and dig deeper. I need to see what all I'm, I'm capable of. And just because you said no, doesn't mean that's where I'm stopping. It's trying to understand the why not. When you say no, it's why not? Why can't I do this? Why am I, li- why are you limiting me from being able to do this? And I think a lot of times, I see it just in corporate careers where it's like men have been in the same job for 20 years because you know what? It pays the bills, they can get the work done, and it's perfectly fine, and they don't stretch themselves to continue to grow. Well, to be honest, society doesn't challenge a man to have to grow. Mm, That's true. I'm going to flip it on the other side. And you know what's interesting is if there are men listening to this, they're going to be really pissed that I said that. I put something up on Instagram the other day and this, (laughs) it was basically someone was working out. They were shirtless. The opening line they said is if you're in horrible shape, you're in horrible shape for one reason and one reason alone, you're fucking lazy. And I, I immediately posted, reposted a reel. And I was like, no, that's actually not true. That's actually, it's not that you're not doing enough. It's not that you're trying not hard enough. It's not that you're not built a certain way. It's, it's the toxic masculinity stuff that pops up from other men. And when I said this, there were a lot of women who supported me. There were a few men who supported me privately, but the only men who spoke up and spoke against me, those were the only people who were commenting on my post mm. that were male someone having a differing point of view than what is accepted as the social norm was automatically viewed as other, was automatically viewed as a threat. 
was automatically viewed as beta, not alpha, even though that's really BS. Right. We're not animals. That, that doesn't actually work. Right. There's no, there's no, there's no beta. There's no alpha. There's none of that. We're on our own unique journey. And to be threatened by someone saying like, Hey, you know, this is actually kind of to be said that to be told that I was breeding toxic weakness. I was like, no, no, you're actually missing it. You're missing it by so far because my reaction, which is probably what they expected was to be, no, you're incredibly wrong. Here's X, Y, and Z. Let me yell at you. Let's have a fight. But instead I just met them with, yeah, I tagged you in this post so people could go see your full video. And so we could have a conversation mm. because it boils down to more than lifting heavy weights and slamming plates. It boils down to self-compassion and being able to say what you feel and also being open to conversation, open to growing, open to maybe going out and being wrong, but being open to grow within that. And as soon as I brought that up, every single one of those comments stopped coming because it's like, okay, here, I, I'm admitting, I don't believe I'm wrong, but I am willing to believe that we can have a conversation and a dialogue about this. To me, that's what being a man is. Being a man isn't, isn't, isn't squashing someone and, and, and saying that <laughs> they're attempting to belittle you or shred you or, 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 or try to squash that. No, it's actually saying, no, society makes it really easy for us. Like if I stepped in for an interview and it was, and we were both qualified, unfortunately, sometimes the guy would get the part or get the, get the job. And it's, it doesn't have to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way, but society makes it that way. And it's so amazing. We create waves now. It's so amazing. And, and I'm just, I'm not here for it to be easy anymore. I'm just not, it's not supposed to be, it's supposed to be hard work. Yeah. And I think one thing you, you said like really hits on it is <clears throat> the messages you got of support from guys were private messages because people don't want to, <clears throat> they want to agree, but they don't want to agree against the status quo. They're yeah. like, ah, you know what? I kind of feel that way too. I kind of feel these, these weird things and all this, but, or the, not weird, not the word I wanted to use these. I feel those same unique views apart uh, about these specific circumstances but because I'm still afraid that someone's going to judge me or someone's going to assume other things about me, I don't want to step out and say it. <clears throat> you know, I say it's, I, I have, a, I obviously have a lot to struggle with as a, a male in his mid thirties in the Midwest. You know, it's a real tough life for me, <clears throat> but I joke around, like, especially in the, the latest, um, just really our season, the last few years, it's like, as, as a Christian, I've felt that. Because all of a sudden they're like, well, you're a Christian. Oh, that must mean you believe this and you hate, you hate people that are homosexuals and you hate, and it's like, no, 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 whoa, why are you putting all of these labels on me basically? Cause you're, you're associating everything to be the same. And I think the hard part is, is in 90% of the circumstances, people will then just sit back and like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to deal with this because I don't want people to assume I'm other things where really society has put that pressure on us saying, 
hey, don't speak up because if you say you're this thing, that means you're also these 15 other things. When, when oh, I'm not putting those labels on me. Why are you putting those things on me? So it kind of shuns, uh, shuns people from kind of stepping out into to what they truly believe. And when we do that, then it just is a, a trickle-down effect of like, well, what else am I saying? What else am I doing? What else am I believing in myself that I can't really share with people because I can't have a discussion or dialogue? I had an episode um, with a guy, Taylor, that was literally talking about this kind of conversation type thing and this debate kind of thing of like, it can be a conversation. We don't have to debate. You're probably not going to change my mind and I'm not going to change your mind. And that's not the point of this. The point of this conversation is to learn from people that aren't me because people's views, there are so many other people that are a lot smarter about things that I have no clue on. And the only way you learn it is to literally sit down and have a conversation with them. But in circumstances, like you said, with the, with the video, it's, all right, if you're going to attack me, let's have, let them, then we're good. Like we're going to go back in that, but, oh, you just want to have a conversation about this. Well, then I don't want to do that because, and this is my own thinking, is a lot of times those conversations are then seen as weakness because you're just not holding your ground and standing to your point. So if he had a conversation, he in turn is then proving your point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so many beautiful things were said there. And the thing that kind of just stands out to me and has been coming up quite often is this idea of vulnerability. And it's the thing that is, in essence, missing for most men <laughs> is vulnerability. Vulnerability to fail. Well, that's where the perfectionism comes in. That's where I can't, I can't, I can't try the thing that's different. Vulnerability to have emotion and acknowledge that they exist. I can't have that. That doesn't fit. That doesn't fit the norm, right? vulnerability. There's this amazing thing in, in um, Brene Brown's book. If you've never read anything by her, please, please go read it. Um, but in her book, Daring Greatly, she quotes and opens it with uh, the man in the arena speech by, by Theodore Roosevelt. I believe it's Theodore Roosevelt. And basically to summarize the speech, it's basically like the man who's in the middle of the ring who's beaten and, and battered and covered in blood can at least say that he was in the ring and tried and failed mm. and tried again and comes out victorious as opposed to the people who stand on the side who have ridiculed and mocked and said that they were less than. They will never know what it actually feels like to try. They will always be stuck in the same patterns and the same things if they don't try, if they don't have the vulnerability, the courage, the purpose, the passion. You don't get to have purpose and passion if you're not willing to be vulnerable. That's why people feel stuck. That's why the quarterback from high school still feels like the quarterback from high school mm -hmm. and has to validate himself that way. Not to generalize or stereotype, but if that is it, if I still lived in my hometown, the same football players are still talking about the same football game where they almost won state. <laughs> like it's the same thing. I could walk into any store and encounter those people. And it's not to say that they're not good people, that they're not 
capable of so much amazing things is to say that they're always in the crowd and they're never going to step into the arena because they're afraid. Right. I think another piece of that, it's, you talk about the vulnerability, but it's also how do we define our value, right? Or what do we put our value in? Those, again, we'll we'll stick with the stereotype from every 90s uh, movie that came out. I'm sure they're going to be all over every romantic comedy on the uh, Hallmark channel. Um, Is this idea of that's who I was. That's my identity. And that's what I put value in. And when we do that, we we limit ourselves. We put ourselves in this little box and say, this is what I am. I can't be anything else because this is, this is what I was good at, or this is what Mm -hmm. I am good at. When we realize we're, we weren't good at it to begin with. We had to learn to be good at it, right? We had to train ourselves. We had to spend the time, spend the effort, spend the energy to get good at the thing. So why can't we be good at other things? Why can't we learn new, new habits, new hobbies, new techniques? We, can, we always can continue to grow and learn new things. When I first started my podcast many moons ago, it wasn't good. Audio quality wasn't good. Video wasn't good when we started doing it. And you learn. You pick up new tricks. And, it, and it's just like anything else in life, right? Just, just to say like, hey, I can't do that. It's like, well, at one point you couldn't do this either. But you mm-hmm. said... You, you made it a priority and you realize like, hey, I'm going to keep going after this. And there's going to be people that are going to shoot you down, people sitting on the sidelines going, what do you, why do you want to do this? Why do you feel like you have a right to do this? And you just keep going through. And those people, they're, you're just going to look at them in the rearview mirror because that's what's yeah. going to happen. A lot of times, <clears throat> I think we talked about this too, is a lot of times you're getting criticism from people that are, are lower than you as far as the... Um, whatever the expertise or whatever it is. You're getting a lot of criticism from people that want to be where you're at and don't understand how you're there and they're not. And so how do you continue to make sure like, hey, I'm going to always value myself high. I'm always going to strive high knowing that you will fail. Things will, you will hit roadblocks. Things will happen, but that's, you get to jump a step. You go back one step, you're going to go up two every time those circumstances come by. Yeah, what it actually boils down to is like the, there's four levels of, of motivation. And, oh, it's actually, it's actually based on, I can't remember the exact name of it right now. It's going to bug me, but there are four levels to it. We go from the most internal, uh, external motivators, which is like, I do it because society tells me I have to do it. Right. If we look at it in fitness, which is when I usually use this for people who are trying to lose weight and things like that, I work out because they say I'm supposed to look a specific way as a man and do specific things. I'm going to not eat carbs and only eat fish and steam broccoli because that's what Men's Health happened to say in an article that I read five years ago, because they probably wouldn't say that anymore. It doesn't matter though. I read it in there. So it has to be true. Right. And then you move to the next level, which is I, I do it because society is kind of still telling me to do it and, and I'm doing it and I'm seeing some sort of progress. So I'm getting external validation in I'm seeing progress from the outside. Someone's giving me accolades. Then we have where we move more, more internal, where it's like, 
oh, I'm doing it because it feels good to do it. It feels good to move my body. I'm, I'm gaining some level of autonomy where I can actually understand this. And then we go to the top most ninja level, which is specific internal intrinsic motivation, which is I do it because it's in alignment with the type of person I hope to be in this world. I am truly in alignment with my values when I do this. So how do we get from the external to the internal? This is what's going to blow people's minds. You have to start external. You have to. Everyone has to have an entry point. Everyone has to be drawn in in a certain way. Everyone has to be vain at some point. Everyone has to have envy at some point. Everyone has to be jealous at some point. Because if you're trying to avoid emotion, you're never going to have any sort of forward motion, no matter what it is. Literally, no matter what it is. What it then requires you to do, though, is take bold action, committed action, showing up, doing the thing, even when it makes you uncomfortable. And you have an easier time doing that when it's actually in alignment with your values, taking the time to actually write out what they are or ponder them or be with those thoughts. That's the deep work. That's the heavy stuff that no one wants to do. You could be listening to this podcast. It's going to end. You could think, oh, wow, now I have it. No, you have to actually write and think and come back to it and continue to refine it and continue to ask yourself why, 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 why? You always have to do it. Even when you've been successful and you have seen the growth, you can't, you can't become complacent. You just can't. You can't. Because that's leaning into the idea that ah, growth is scarce. I'm probably going to mess, mess up again. That's inviting it in. You have to be in the place where you're so in alignment with that form of being. That's so, so in alignment with those values that when the thing shows up and it's not exactly how you thought it would be, you'll be able to say, this is perfect. This is perfect. This is the thing I need. This is the way I do X or Y. Just sharpening the skills, right. looking at it from a different point of view. But most people, and I'm going to stick with men right now, most men aren't open to doing that. They're just not. Because it's really scary. I love, I love that thought. And I've never thought about it this way of starting with the external motivation. Because re really, when you think about it, like that makes the most sense. Why do we strive to do things? Why do I want to be successful in however to find it? Because I saw someone else do something like that. I saw someone else and was like, hey, I want what they have. And then you kind of start yeah. doing it. And it's like, in order to continue moving with it, you need to have like, you want some feedback, you want some things. And as you see it, you're like, okay, now it, now it can kind of align like you can get down to the real why, you know, get down to the yeah. heart why of why I want to continue doing this. You can do anything for a short period of time, but if you're continuously doing it, you get down to that, that internal aligning with your values. But I've never thought about it as the starting with that external, because that's really where it kind of can take off. And I think what we yeah. see a lot of times, especially in men is this idea. And we brought it up. I laughed to myself when I was listening back to our episode, this idea of how do you know when something's cocky? Like, how do you go the difference between cocky and not? And it's like, well, it's cocky when you think it's cocky. When you start approaching it as though this is a cocky thing, you can have that mentality. But I think a lot of guys may take that step back and not want to 
they want to do the thing because they think they believe it aligns with the values and they want to keep pushing forward. But then you go into that imposter syndrome of like, who am I to do this? Like, I shouldn't be posting this much. I shouldn't do this because there's someone better than me or there, whatever the case might be. But I think we kind of fall short there and we start believing things that, that may not be a hundred percent true because it's safe. It's mm-hmm. safe for us to sit in this space of, even if it's not a hundred percent true, I can, I can be comfortable where I'm at and not, not worried about kind of where I'm going to go from that, getting myself in a place of quote unquote danger as far as like getting myself to an opportunity to, to fail more. Whereas like, Hey, if no one knows about it, if no one knows about the thing I'm doing, I can't let anybody down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there on so many levels. <laughs> Again, it all boils down to whatever the story is that you're telling yourself and you're allowing yourself to believe. That's all it is. I mean, you will literally, you will literally search for facts to prove your outrageous bullshit that you tell yourself you're really good at it Flores. you're so good at it <laughs> i'm so good at it too 86 Everyone episodes is. in man come on now right <laughs> that that's that's the thing it's like it's just like you said when we were talking about being cocky it's only cocky when you start thinking oh is that cocky because you're second guessing yourself it's an internal thing it's an internal state and unless you address it you can't actually start to break it down. You can't get away from it. You carry that energy with you. And it's really challenging. It's super challenging, especially in the space that I'm currently occupying with what I do. It's like, aren't I supposed to be built like a Marvel superhero? Aren't I supposed to only want to eat a lot of meat and do a lot of X or Y? Aren't I supposed to never skip X or Y? Aren't I supposed to, right? There's a lot of this, which is, aren't I supposed to? No, who said you're supposed to do anything? Who said you're supposed to be anything? If you can go trace it back. Oh, well, there was a paper published. Great, fantastic. You weren't a member of that study. So go break the mold. Go do something different. And look, it's probably not going to work. It's okay. Because you can go get help. You can go ask someone who's actually done it. Go hire a coach. If you can't hire a coach, go on YouTube. Go on Google. Go do whatever, right? There is an endless amount of resources for you to get out of your own way. But again, notice how the only limiting factor in this conversation is you. You can either let this information sink in or you could be the person who's like, fuck it, not for me. Fine, be complacent. Sit where you are. But you know what's really, really cool? When you start to let this stuff happen, when you start to let the floodgates open, when you start to actually navigate this stuff, there's a weight that comes off mm-hmm. for, for, the, for the men I work with in the realm of weight loss. Yeah, I'm talking about weight loss, but I'm not just talking about some number on a scale. I'm talking about emotional weight. As a happy side effect of that, physical weight sometimes comes off too, usually. 
Probably every time. But it doesn't work. You can do whatever you want. You can try whatever extreme diet you want. You can do whatever you want to do. It's going to come back because you're using fitness as a Mm band-aid. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not a magic pill. Fitness will never be your fucking therapy. I'm sorry. Unless it has a PhD and you do your fitness in a boring gray room with a sound machine that sounds out everything. And then after they send you notes and everything, you're not doing fit. Fitness is not therapy. And it's extremely irresponsible for any trainer to say, fitness is my therapy. No, it's not. It's a way for you to confront your thoughts. But unless you talk with someone else about it, unless you begin to air it out, unless you begin to learn how to navigate these traumas and things that pop up over and over again, in a way, you're not actually doing anything. You're just kidding yourself. Mm. And you'll never give yourself self-compassion because you're using a Band-Aid. And then when you burn out and you can't train and you can't do X or Y and your skin feels like it's crawling and you don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden you hate the way you look and you hate the way you're feeling. And then you get angry and you yell at other people. It's because you don't know how to navigate the true emotional turmoil you're dealing with. Because fitness is a Band-Aid. It's all it is. Yeah, it's a Band-Aid. We use it as just an extra tool to kind of, I think the the therapy thing's an interesting because I always, I do make that comment of like running has kind of been my thing. But to your exact point is it's not, <clears throat> it's not therapy per se. It lets me realize my thoughts because I have nothing but time on my hands to do it. But I'm dealing with an injury that I've been dealing with for a while. And now what? Now when I sit here, <clears throat> I'm kind of, I have a cold. So I'm like, I'm probably not gonna go to the gym tomorrow. All right, what then? Like when I look in the mirror, what, what do I see? Why, why do I do these things? And that's something that I've been trying to like <clears throat> wrestle with and struggle with is understanding like I don't need to do these things to fit any sort of box in a thing. I know literally just last year, like we would hang out at the pool or whatever and I just wouldn't take my shirt off because I'm just like, I, I just, I don't look like these guys. I can't do it. I was at EDC Orlando <clears throat> and it's just like, I don't, I don't bro hard like most of these guys do. And it's like, they none, they all skip leg day, but they're just jacked. every. And it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to sit with my t-shirt on here at the pool because it's safer for everybody. And it's like, why, why do I have this? And it's because of my programming. It's because of everything that I've seen growing up and how you're supposed to look, what you're supposed to be. I was always that athlete that didn't look like the other athletes. I couldn't bench 300 pounds. I couldn't squat 600. I couldn't do these things. And I always felt that I was less than because I couldn't do it. But then I picked up running and I was like, wait a second. Like, okay, my body style, like this works. This kind of works to, to be a runner. But again, it's, it's putting identity in these things. So when these things don't happen, okay, let's say I can't work out for the next week. I can't run for the next month. What then? How do I deal with these things? How do I come to grips of what's what's actually happening? And that's something I'm currently working through is how do I continue to, to push through that? But I think the difference that at least I have, and it's just been a blessing from like the amazing guests like you that I've had on the show, is I can have these conversations and I'm aware of it. I know these thoughts are happening and I can acknowledge them and try to understand why I'm getting to this place instead of like I did in the past, really soaking in on it and 
just kind of fit, feeling sorry for myself and whatever the case might be, again, dealing with yeah. these untrue things. It's acknowledging like, hey, I know what's happening. I know why I'm thinking these things. Okay, how can I reprogram it? I think your idea of like people eating fish and steamed broccoli, it's like, yeah, you need to you need to carry around a jug of water all the time and do this. And it's like, yeah, a lot of places like five years ago, the fitness advice you would have gotten five years ago, none of that is relevant now because everyone's like, yeah. oh, wait, that wasn't a good idea. We realize yeah. now that that wasn't <laughs> the best idea. I, I think the thing that's really interesting and just for you, Flores, just because you said it, you're like, yeah, I'm injured right now. I can't run right now. I bet you feel really confident when you're running. Mm. Like, but you know, what's amazing. That confidence is always available to you, even when you're not running. So the question is, how does confidence actually get to manifest itself within you? Mm. Yeah, it's good. And it's getting clear on what that actually is. And a lot of athletes deal with this. A lot of, a lot of athletes that I've dealt with deal with this. Me, I've dealt with it. I don't consider myself an athlete, right? It's the ability to recognize that at the end of the day, when I wake up, the stuff that I'm doing is not me. Mm. And that's some ninja meditation, lots of time thinking about that. It, it takes a lot of time to actually navigate that. But the cool thing is, is like, it's always available to you. It's like, okay, cool. Like technically I'm still moving the needle forward by not running right now. Most people don't choose to look at it that way. Right. Right. Like I, it, it's, say, it's, it's a it, lot of the the separating the person from the action, right? This mm -hmm. I mean, you can go into a lot of different avenues, but when you separate my thoughts, my confidence, if we will use my example here, it's like that that exists there, but I only let it show in certain avenues. I only let it show when I know when I know I'm doing something that that I feel like I can provide value to. Whereas if I'm not doing it, if I'm if I'm scared and sharing something because I'm not as confident in it. I kind of put that to the side, put it to the back that it's not as important when really like inside it's eating me alive. And it's like, wait a second, you, you had the confidence in this other thing. Like, why don't you have it in this? Yeah. And it's because we, we associate ourselves too much with a specific identity or title or action. Yeah. And once we're not doing that, it, it just goes off the rails. Well, what you're actually describing is lacking self-compassion. Mm meeting your own humanity, understanding Flores, like several times in this whole podcast episode, I've been like, I felt that exact thing you're feeling. Like how weird is it to hear someone? I felt that exact thing because the reality of whatever thought you are having, even the darkest thought you're having, you're not the first person to have it and you won't be the last person to have it. And there's this amazing analogy from um, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a form of, of, therapy if you're with the therapist that they'll do i'm not a therapist but i've done a lot of reading on this because it helps me and you can look at it this way you're a bus driver you're always driving the bus people are going to get on and off the bus those people represent thoughts and stories and feelings that come on sometimes the happiness person comes on sometimes the 
fear monster gets on. Sometimes the the failure monster gets on. Sometimes the uh, not strong enough monster gets on, right? Your only job is to drive the bus. It doesn't matter who gets on the bus, who gets off the bus. Now you have a couple options. There will be times when you want to go down a different avenue, which at this point, the avenues make up those choices that we were talking about. Doing the opposite sometimes of the thing that's really, really scary is the thing that's really, really scary. And when we allow ourselves to steer away from that, it's because we're letting the monsters in the back of the bus dictate what we do. Mm-hmm. And there'll be other times where we get up and stand up on the bus and we walk to the back of the bus and we get into an argument with them and then they still end up having us go to the stop they want to do. But when we drive the bus and we hear the monsters in the back of the bus and we see that we want to take a turn down a different route, which might be like, I'm going to start, I've always wanted to start ultra biking, but I've been a runner for 10 years and it would be weird if I suddenly switched what I was doing. I'm making this up for you, Flores. I don't know if that's the thing, but let's say it is. And you get the monster in the back of the bus who's the doubt monster who's like, dude, you don't have any idea how to do this. Why would you go buy a bike? Why would you go do this thing? Why would you? Your response gets to be in that situation. Hey, doubt monster. You can call it uh, Debbie, doubt Debbie, whatever you want to call it. Thank you so much for your input. But you know what? I'm driving the bus. So you can either get off the bus or you could stay on the bus. I'm going to go this route. That's called diffusion. Diffusing is when you actually ride the emotional wave of the thought or the feeling that comes up and understand that it comes and it goes. That takes time and practice. But if you can actually note the feeling and attempt to name it, I usually give my clients this giant emotional wheel that they can look at and just kind of pick and kind of describe what that feels like for themselves especially as we're navigating food stuff, because for most people, it's like, am I actually hungry or is it any other emotion feeling? Is it boredom? Is it being tired? Usually we can't distinguish. We can't distinguish what true hunger is versus any other emotion or feeling. And when we gain more clarity on that, suddenly it becomes, oh, you know what? I'm not actually hungry. I'm actually really upset right now. I'm actually really feeling overwhelmed and underappreciated and overworked. Okay. It's completely normal to feel that way. I can still go do the things that are important to me. I can still go step outside. I can still go for that run. I can still go read a book. I can still go. You know what? In this case, I'm going to make delicious pancakes with my wife and I'm going to enjoy those. And I'm not eating because I'm emotional. I'm eating because I'm making a memory. Do you see how it's all connected? Mm, Yeah. Acts of diffusion, diffusing the thought or feeling requires you to be present with the thought or feeling and acknowledge it actually exists. We're not doing that. We end up, we end up ignoring all of it, right? That, I mean, that's literally what uh-huh. you're saying is we end up yeah. seeing it and going, this doesn't exist. La, 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 you're not here. I'm just ignoring you when it's, no, you need to acknowledge it. You need to acknowledge yeah. the feelings, the emotions that they're there. Because that's how you grow from it. Because it, I know this from my personal experience as well. If you ignore it enough, you become numb to it. And when you yeah. become numb to it, then it makes it harder for you to recognize the reason why all of these things are happening. You ignore, you ignore, you ignore. Like, 
I use the kids for example upstairs. So there's a couple kids upstairs um, with the people we live with. And literally all you hear is, it's probably earlier the episode, you may have heard it, just kids running back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gotten to a point now where I don't notice it as much. But people will be like, oh, the kids must be running upstairs. And I'm like, you could hear that? Like, because I'm not even noticing it. And the same thing happens with our feelings. Something comes up with our emotions and it's just, but then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm just ignoring you. Nope. I hear you knocking, but not not answering that door because I that door yeah. means I have to acknowledge this and I have to feel some stuff not happening. And it's just just keeps coming, keeps going. And eventually we don't hear that knock. And we under we, oh. we get to a point where we're like, wait a second, why why are these things happening? Why are things falling apart? And it's like because you didn't hear the signs as they were literally beating down your door because you've become so numb to them. Yeah, it's it's literally like, why is there the eviction notice? at my front door. Oh yeah. I forgot to pay. I forgot to pay them for the last six months. It's kind of like, yeah, if you, if you keep ignoring the thing, you shouldn't be surprised when the huge clusterfuck of a moment happens. And you shouldn't be surprised when you spiral out and continue to blame yourself. When in fact, the thing we're talking about is being like, this is perfect. This is what I needed. This is actually, I, love that this is happening because I can be aware that what I was doing in the past really wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Now, the way to get to that point is having difficult conversations like this regularly. It's just what I found what works. It's why I coach groups now. It's why I work one-on-one with people now as often as I can. It's why I don't, it's why I'm not a personal trainer, quote unquote, anymore. I don't, I could teach anyone to, to lift weight, do that, but it actually is, it's kind of sometimes just scratching the surface and I want to help even more. And the cool thing is, is you're more likely to stick with whatever (laughs) physical endeavors you do when you do this work. So usually it's the people who have tried before who come to this work. That's why I'm saying you got to meet yourself where you're at. You got it. You got it. You got it. You got to kind of go external before you can go internal because you lay some sort of foundation there that shows you, okay, I sucked at some point. Okay. This is possible. Where if we go from the really heavy lifting internally, you're like, I just can't do this. I can't do this. Well, yeah, you've never tried any form of lifting, (laughs) never tried anything. So it's just like, you know, I wouldn't do this work if someone wasn't ready for this work, but usually when people are interested, it means you're actually ready. Yeah. You, you, know? just, you just sometimes need that extra push. Like yeah. that extra little motivation. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Like every single time we talk, whether it's on the, obviously the last episode we had this one or just, just shooting the shit on Instagram. I'm, I appreciate every word you have to say. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. I, I truly, truly, reciprocate that feeling. I appreciate being able to talk with you and watching the continual space that you hold for these sorts of meaningful conversations. I don't think enough of that happens. And when it does happen, it's, it's rad to watch. You're, I, I don't know how to say it other than you're like, you're like Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> That's what we call a callback folks. <laughs> 
But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have all of uh, Chris's information in the show notes. Definitely connect with him. Follow him on, on Instagram. It's a, it's a treat. You're going to learn things, so make it happen. And then Chris will be on the show again. There's just there's just no way of getting around it. He'll be on the show, and then we'll talk about Joe Rogan. Maybe we'll have Joe on the show with him at the same time. We'll see if he's busy yeah. out in Texas or wherever he's living now. <laughs> wherever the combine is right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. some, some bunker yeah. thousand feet underneath <laughs> the ground. <laughs> But to uh, everyone else, you can reach out on social media everywhere at flores.run. Um, <clears throat> subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. Uh, visit the website, www.flores.run. Everything there. Visit all the hangry stuff, wearehangry.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to keep running with purpose, one step at a time. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.